What's up and welcome to another episode of the Scott and Ian show on the SBL podcast today as promised the confusing world of strings part two with yours truly. Last time Scott and I talked about strings, we thought, ah, we'll get through all the strings in one episode. Did it happen? It did not. We talked about rounds. We touched on flats. But this episode, I dive deep. I'm going to even give you some playing examples, talking about flats, tapes. And then, God, I feel like it's endless. I feel like there should be even a part three about like ground wounds and coded strings. I don't go that far, but there's a lot of info in here about flats, about nylon tapes. And look, if you want more, if you want me to dive even deeper, let me know in the comments that you do. Let me know what I'm missing. Let me know what you got to know about, and I will do my best to provide that for you. So it's going to be a really fun and nerdy pod today. And again, there's some playing examples. So listen on phones if you want. I hate it when people tell me to do that, but I'm being one of those annoying people telling you to do that. Listen on cans, listen on your earbuds that you like, um, and you'll hear the differences. I'm Almost sure of it. Uh, hey, this week at SBL, check it out. Weekly SBL Mentor live stream. Today, Monday, the 13th of November, Jonathan Herrera is in the mentor seat doing melodic minor and more break out of the modal rut. Then next week, Monday, the 20th of November, Jonathan Marin is in the mentor seat talking about space and time. And if you don't know Marin, get to know him. He's an incredible player and educator. Uh, he's one of my favorite bass players on the planet. So I'm going to definitely check that out. Also, you guys, the FBA, the fretboard accelerator is ongoing. It's your last chance to lock it in at the current low price. Use scottsfretboardcourse.com. Again, scottsfretboardcourse.com to dive into that. Also, on the campus, we've got a challenge right now. Go baseless. in our community challenge, talking about how you learn a tune. Maybe you're driving to a gig, right? And you don't have your bass and you want to think about how that doom, 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 goes. That'd be one root, 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 minor third, four, minor third, one. If you, if you're like, what, how do you do that? Check out this challenge at the campus. It's all there for you. It's all at SBL. You guys know it is. Hey, enough of me, more me in the episode, the confusing world of strings part two. I've wanted to make this episode for a really long time. Um, and I was going to make it with Scott, but he had something going on. So it's just me, you guys, bringing in the B squad. Just a solo episode with me today. Hi, my name is Ian Martin Allison. I am, uh, I'm pumped to be doing this because I feel like strings, like, you know, you're like, what's the, is the tone in the body, the wood? Is it in the, is it in the neck? Is it in the pickups? Is it in the hands? Is it in the amp? Is it in the simulation, the, the preamp, the tubes, the, well, yes, <laughs> right? Of course it's in all those things, but there was a great interview I saw once with John Mayer who talked about the string and, you know, and look, say what you want about Mayer, right? Say what you want about him. Do you love him? Do you hate him? It doesn't matter. The thing that he said that I thought was so compelling was that you don't actually interact necessarily with the pickups directly. You don't necessarily interact directly with the knobs, the body wood, right? The fingerboard wood, the thing that you interact with first 
on the guitar or the bass guitar or an upright bass, right, is the string. The string is the first thing. In fact, you could make a case that you don't play bass at all. At all. You don't play the bass. You play the string. The string is the thing that you actually play. And the bass is just the, like, receiver. Does that make sense? I I mean, it kind of blew my mind when I heard him talk about that. And that was in relation to, I think he was doing like a campaign for the new Silver Sky PRS. And he talked about how like the way the string responds is really important to the way he feels about the guitar and that, you know, action and setup and all that stuff, right. And consistency were really important to him and, oh, and PRS got that nailed, right. I mean, he's such a good salesman. Um, and you know, everybody's like, whoa, and they, you know, bought gazillions of those guitars, but he makes this really cool point. Um, and then he sells a guitar. It's so funny. It feels like it would be a string ad, right? Like the thing that you come in contact with first is the string. And then he proceeds to tell you why this guitar is the perfect vehicle for the string. But I'm here to do a similar thing, to make a similar argument, but to point you uh, down the road of some options for all of the other strings, right? Scott and I have talked in a previous episode about round wound strings and round wound strings are the strings. I'm, I'm like looking around, like I have all my bases set up here to, to do this thing. I've got all these bases behind me. If you're not watching the pod, this one might be a good one to fire up on YouTube because I'm going to play for you. I'm going to show you bases, show you strings and the different sounds you can get out of all these different flat wounds. Um, and, and, uh, also I've got a base with tapes on it as well. So we're going to dive in, but, um, round wound string is the string that comes on almost all the bases, right? And all the guitars, uh, round wound string, check it out. Is just a wire, a core wire that is wrapped in smaller wire. And you know it's round wound if you rub your fingernail on it and it does this. <laughs> it's what makes pick slides work. You know, it's like you turn on a ton of distortion and take your pick and go. <gasps> My dog Ginger just was like, holy, what did you just do? Um, that's a round wound string. And that string is on everything pretty much, right? Like round wounds are absolutely everywhere. They come on most bases. They they seem to be cheaper to produce. They're cheaper to purchase typically than flat wound strings. Um, and while yes, there are differences in those strings, obviously there's gauge differences. There are tension differences. The inner wire can be different. That inner core of wire can be different. They can be made out of different things like stainless steel or nickel. Those are the most common too. To me, they are the most homogenous string. And sorry for that, you know, college douche word. They are, I feel like new round wound strings sound like new round wound strings. 
You know what I mean? Like you put a fresh new set of nickels on and they might feel a little different than stainless steel, but they're both going to be bright. They're both going to give you that zing that a new string does. They're great for maybe playing in a rock band with a pick. They're great for a lot of things. They're great for slapping, um, you know, and it's what everybody has. And for the longest time, it seemed like it was the only option. I mean, I grew up in the 90s when it's like I started to play bass in the 90s and it was like. Oh, flat wounds? Those are for old guys. That was like even before the James Jamerson renaissance of standing in the shadows of Motown and, you know, where Jamerson finally gets his due. It was like way before all of that happened. Um, and so flats were sort of like old guy strings. It was like, who wants to play those? Like nobody. Like John Entwistle from The Who was partially responsible for developing the round wound string because flat wounds all is what is the only thing that existed. They were upright strings, right? And then they were like, well, let's just sort of make an upright string for the electric bass. So in 51, right, the P bass comes out that, you know, Telecaster looking P bass and it was flats. Yeah, of course it was. Of course it was flats. And then finally, you know, I think it was in the 60s with Roto sounded John Entwistle developed like, well, can we just make sort of like bigger guitar strings? And that really did revolutionize string making. I mean, it was a big, big deal. And then that was the thing for the longest time. And of course, yes, there were people that still played flats. Of course, yes, there were the kind of outliers that still did it. It was this old school thing, but it didn't to me anyway. And whatever your experience, maybe like or you might be like, no, I don't know. Well, fine. That's fine. My experience was that they were not cool. They were old guy strings and it didn't kind of come around again until this sort of like P-Base renaissance. I really think the P-Base renaissance happened when Pino switched from playing, you know, a, a, a fretless music man with 80s pop acts and started to play P-Base with flats, with D'Angelo. And even if it wasn't flats, I think it was, but even if it wasn't, it sounded like that. It was this like return to old school. And then you had people like Sean Hurley and Tim LaFave and Scott Devine playing P basses with flats. And oh man, flats became this thing. Justin Meldel Johnson too was talking about flats all the time. And it became like hip, like almost the, the old school secret that if you didn't know about, you weren't cool. You know, it was like, oh, P bass with flats. That's like what the real bass players are playing. And oh, all of you playing active basses with rounds, that's <laughs> that's over. I mean, no one said that, but it was kind of the subtext. And if you weren't around for it or you weren't in the bass culture at that time, um, you may not know about it. But that that's why I'm here is to tell you these things, right? At least that's what I experienced. And I really fell into that world. And I'm glad I did. I'm, I, I, I don't want to, uh, feel like, I don't want you guys to feel like I'm talking about this in a negative way. I'm not trying to say, Oh, and that was bad. It was just a thing that happened and it became a bit of a bubble, right? Like, Oh yeah. P base with flats. And what do I have right here? I have a P base with flats. This is a 1965 precision base. Uh, that I bought from Norman's Rare Guitars years and years ago before the prices exploded. And I have Labella flat wound strings on it. A classic choice. Mm -hmm. 
And to me, you ever just play your bass sort of slow? Listen to the sound of the attack. What a sound. That sound is the class. Like we've heard that sound so many times, right? Or keep going. What a flat wound does. Let me just, let me just say this. What a flat wound is, is it's the same core of wire, but it is just surrounded by tape. So metal tape wound around a core instead of metal wire wound around a core. It's tape. It's thin tape, and there are so many different ways to do it. And can you pick scratch on it? Well, not like you can kind of hear it a little bit, but they are smooth to the touch. They feel so good to play. Typically, the tension is a touch higher than a round wound string, but there's this sort of smooth feel. And especially as you break them in and play them over time, um, they even get sort of smoother feeling and they sort of settle. I have found that almost every flat wound that I've ever played out of the package sounds kind of new. Like, uh, uh, I don't mean new. I mean, it, they almost sound like a round wound. I remember when I first got a set of flats, I put them on a base expecting this kind of like tubby, woody Jamerson thing. And they didn't sound like that at all. They sounded very, almost sort of like a round wound, but with a different feel. And I was like, oh, weird. And then that led me down this crazy world of like trying all the different brands. And the thing that I didn't understand in the beginning was that unlike a round wound string, which you're sort of encouraged to change often, or, you know, there's tales of, you know, session bass players or like guys like Stu Ham being in the studio and changing their strings after every take, Anthony Jackson to, you know, the brightest, freshest. Well, if that's round, if that's the like whippy end of the round wound branch, the whippy end of the flat wound branch is time. You don't change flats. In fact, there's this great story, and I don't know if this is an urban legend. Let me know. If you guys know, let me know in the comments. But there's this great story that Jamerson had labella flats on his 62P bass, and one of them broke. You know, I don't know, maybe the maybe the G or D string. I don't know what string. It doesn't matter. But that he actually called labella, like Eric Coco from labella. If you're out there, I wonder if you can verify this. Like He called labella and and asked if there was any way for them to weld it back together. You guys, he called LaBella and asked if they could weld the string back together. That is how desperate he was to not put a new set of strings on his bass because there's something about it just speaks to that thing of breaking in. So you put a set of flats on the bass and for a few months they sound kind of bright. But then as you play them and as they mellow, they get kind of like they just get beautiful and even 
and they don't have a lot of zing on the top. Now this is, you know, this P bass with volume and tone rolled wide open. And there's just something like, I want to play less. And I kind of want to mute. And specifically, these strings are the labella. Actually, I have a mixed set on here because I'm a because I'm particular sometimes. You know what? I'm particular. This is the Alinto set of labella flats. I think they're called signature fat wounds, I believe. And it is the standard gauge. I think it's I'm not even sure what the gauge is, but the E string for me on that set was a little too heavy. So I'm using their signature flats on G, D, and A, and then I'm using one of their low tension flats on the E string. That's a 100 gauge and just a little bit more comfortable to me. I find that I like a little heavier gauges up high and I like a little lighter gauges down low. Just in terms of feel and, and evenness, I like my notes up high to have bass content. And then down low, I want them to be a little more nimble. I really like actually the way that a lighter gauge low string sounds and feels. So that's what I have on this bass. Um, and now I'm going to contrast this. I'm going to play another P bass with flats, but it's a different brand and you're going to see what's up. So let me play this riff. I'm going to play a riff and then switch basses. Um, how about that? Come on, Ian. One more time. Okay, hold that mid-rangey chocolatey sound in your mind as I switch basses on you. Right? So this is a P bass as well, but this is a custom shop 58 with just different strings. Right? Different fingerboard material as well, but I'm gonna play that same riff. Oh man. Totally different, right? I wonder which one you like better. So this is a Custom Shop 58. It has a maple fingerboard, and this bass has chromes on it. Diodario chromes. I actually, this bass usually has rounds on it, but I put chromes on it to do um, the video, the Iron Maiden video that I did for SBL with Sharon Reynolds. And I've just sort of left them on, and they kind of feel... They feel a little more flexible than the uh, labellas. And you hear how they just sound a little closer to rounds? I don't totally know why. Something in how they're constructed. But I remember um, when I started on my flatwound journey, I was trying all these different brands and someone recommended Diodario Chromes to me because they were like, oh, if you're really used to, if you're really used to rounds, Chromes are a really good choice because they can do a lot of things. They're a little brighter than maybe Labellas or other brands. And they're maybe a little more versatile. If you don't want to go full on like dark flats. <laughs> and so I got them and I really actually, I like, I like the sound of these, especially when they're new and these are relatively new. They have less kind of a, there's a thunk in the mid range of labellas that 
is really distinct and is very cool and makes them sit in a mix in a really interesting and cool way. But sometimes I like, sometimes I like the response of a little bit more like bottom end, a little less mid range and a little more high end, which I feel like these strings kind of have. And I almost feel like, you know, if you play them with a pick, it's almost that like rock and roll P bass thing. old school, right? If I play this, it's like ding, dong, dong, ding, dong, dong. And the labellas are like, right? They're a little more mellow. Now, of course, yes, you can roll the tone back and maybe mute and you can absolutely get it there. But it's like, what do you want? Right? So here is a great example of two of the same bass. I mean, right. P bass with different strings and it just changes the game completely. Let me just go back to the 65 for a moment after I play this riff with a pick. So let's do this rock thing with a pick. Right? Come on, Ian. Redeem it. that 58 custom shop. I'm going to go back to the 65 and I'm going to play that exact same riff with a pick. And you're going to see how much of a difference strings really make. Okay. Here is the 65 P with labellas. like a, a mid a chewier mid-range and a more old school top end and what it makes me want to do is it makes me want to mute so these strings make me want to play less rock and roll and more kind of like old school like it makes me want to play palm mute and get a like 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 a little quieter and more intimate instead of I don't want to rock on this bass. I want it to be like a little more subtle because the strings are sort of pushing me in that way. And it's very cool, right? So that is an example on the P bass. I'm going to move on to a jazz bass and I'm going to show you some other strings. So we've got so far we have labella old school. We have Diodario Chromes, new school. You heard the difference on two P bases. Now it's time to move along to the first flat that I actually truly, truly fell in love with, which is from Fender. And I've got my jazz bass back here, my 68 jazz. And the, this bass has Fender 9050 flats. And Fender 9050s have green silks. Check out the headstock. Green silks on it. That's kind of how you know. And they're, they, I think someone told me once they are made for Fender by Diodario and that they're exactly the same as chromes, but I do not 
Maybe they are made by Diodario, but to me, it could be placebo, you guys. I am perfectly susceptible. But to me, they are not exactly the same as chromes at all. They start out really bright and beautiful and kind of open like a round wound, but then they mellow out to this amazing sound. So, you know, this bass, bear with me because it's a jazz bass. It's going to be a little quieter. I might need to turn it up. I love the sound of this bass with these strings. I think actually the output's fine. To me, these are actually a really excellent in-between. They are awesome kind of straddle between an old school, like after they've been on your bass for six months to a year, they get kind of old schooly, but they still have sustain and they are devoid. They don't have the same mid-range like clunk that the labellas have. And I, I'm, I want to use clunk in a very careful way. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. Like labellas have a thing that I feel like no other string has and they're very cool. But sometimes when I play labellas by myself, I yearn for a bit of mid range taken out until I get in a band and then they're perfect. But sometimes when I play this bass, I really like the way that Fender 9050 sound on a jazz. And if you've watched my content over the years, these are the strings that I've used when I do all the synth sounds because they give you this really nice, beautiful, after they're broken in, they give you this beautiful sound full of fundamental, but they also sustain really well, right? So I can come up here and play and the note lasts a really nice long time. And that's something too about flats that um, I should have maybe mentioned earlier is that you get this fundamental, whereas round wounds you hear sort of second, third, fourth order harmonics. I'm talking out of my ass right now. You hear overtones, right? Like when you play a C on a round wound string, you're hearing the fundamental, but you're also hearing like an upper harmonic in the sound, whereas flats seem to emphasize the fundamental more than the upper harmonics. And that's why they just sort of sound like bass. And I will say when I bought this instrument, this was like the no, it was the second vintage instrument I ever bought. And it had, I think it had a set of flats or old, old rounds on it. Uh, and, um, a friend of mine, Nick, who used to work at Willie's was like, Hey man, you should try this bass. It was at Willie's in St. Paul when they're in their original location in St. Paul, Willie's American guitars. And at the time I was playing different basses and I was like, nah, man, I, I'm not into the vintage thing. It's fine. But he was like, yeah, but you just like, look at this bass. I just, you know, look at it. Don't, don't you want to give it a try? And I was like, "Ugh, yeah, whatever. And I was expecting to actually sort of not like it. And I sat down and plugged it into some big, beautiful rig in their showroom at Willie's. And I just played a light G. I just played this note. And, and I don't know if this sounds special to you. It doesn't actually right now sound all that special to me. But in that moment, there was something that the really dead, dead round wound or flat. Again, I don't remember. I should just say it's flats for the sake of the story, right? It's, it was flats. <laughs> I play this G on this bass and it was just like, it was just like, I've been playing this note for a lot of years, boy. You know, I know about things. I've seen things that you can't even imagine. 
It was like unadorned. It wasn't like, hey, buy me. I'm amazing. I'm going to slap. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be the perfect thing on your gig when you slap the bass and take a solo with fuzz. It, it just was like, nope. I'm just going to play a perfect, beautiful note that has an excellent balance of low end, note definition, <laughs> mid range. I love it. That's uh, mostly the neck pickup as well. Here's both pickups on full. That even scoops out the mid-range more. But there's something about flats on a jazz. jazz bass you guys know that you know playing with a pick you know some bruno palm muted so these strings to me fender 9050s are like i think the perfect in between between that old school thing and more of a bright kind of like don't worry, we're not going to be too old school like a Diodario Chrome. They're also cheap. Um, they're really inexpensive and probably may, they might just be repackaged Chromes and I might just be crazy, but I don't think they are. They sound different to me. Or maybe it's just the fact that I've had them on the base a long time. But I wonder if you guys know, if you guys know and have done this research, <laughs> let me know uh, in the comments. I can't find it online. But yeah, that's a jazz bass with flats. That's my 68. Um, and now I'm going to move on to some other things. What other things do we have? Is there another brand that we could talk about? Of course there is, you guys. You kidding me? There's so much variation, right? And so as I'm on this journey, I'm like, man, I got to try them all because you know what? Strings are even flats. Now flats are more expensive typically than rounds, but they are the easiest and most affordable way to completely change your sound, right? So much more affordable and easy to do than buying an amp and lugging it around or, or even new pedals or a new bass right? The strings, it's such an easy, simple, and relatively affordable way to completely change the sound of your bass. Now I say relatively affordable because some strings are really expensive. In fact, this next set of strings, some Dunlop flats, and they are pricey. Here, hold up. Here is, this is my 66 Mustang. Okay. And I have Dunlop flats on this and they are relatively new. I changed them. I had Tomastic infelds on the space for a long time. Do I regret changing them? I don't. But sometimes, oh, those Tomastics. I'm going to play you some Tomastic infelds on another short scale bass that I have. Um, but I had them on this bass for so long and played it so much that they, I just didn't feel like they were staying in tune up high. Like the intonation felt weird and the sustain was really short. Um, and, and not in a pleasant way, not in a cool Carol K plunky way, but these are you notice by the black silks on these, these are Dunlop flats on the 66 Mustang that is in Dakota red. And here's what that Mustang sounds like. Mm, these are really interesting. 
first of all, if you've ever slept on a short scale, don't ever do it again. They're incredible. They sound so big. The thing that I love about short scales is that notes on like the A string and the D string and the G string all kind of sound. They all sound like bass to quote the great Jonathan Marin. It reads as a bass instrument all over the neck. And even though they're new, you can kind of hear the G string is pretty pingy. But I had a set of these on my jazz bass that I played on a tour. Um, and they broke in over time and got really warm and thumpy, but still had sustain. But out of the package, I like the brightness of these. They're not quite as bright, not maybe quite as... Um, flexible as chromes. I think I have a light gauge of chromes and this is a medium set of Dunlops. But they have really nice definition down low. They don't have that same kind of labella thunk down low for better or for worse. But up high, I actually don't like them new as much as I like other brands like on the high strings. I wish they were like a little darker on the G. I really like the way the A and the D string sounds though. Now, obviously you can take your tone knob and roll it back, but that always sounds kind of artificial to me. I guess I'm with Sean Hurley. He talked about this thing where, you know, he, it's like, just record the bass with a tone knob up, and then you can always sort of sculpt in a mix. There was a producer that was like, no, 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 just give me all of it, and then you can kind of sculpt later. And I kind of agree. Sometimes maybe I'll do a little something with the tone knob, but usually I have it up. Here are these Dunlops with a pick. Like, play some Carol Kay. Where's my spring reverb? Mustangs are so cool. Short scales in general, just because all the notes, like it's not a piano at all down low. Like the low E is not like massive, like a ding wall, like, but it's not trying to be right. It's trying to be nice and even um, all across the fingerboard. So, you know, if you play like a two octave scale on a short scale. As you rise. These notes have a similar amount of low-end content. Check that out. When you get down here, it's not like, whoa, all this massive low-end from the G. There's not a huge difference in low-end from this G to this G to this G. There's something about the scaling that makes all of those notes sort of sound similar in terms of bass response. And I love that these flats really match up with that. If you want to try them, gosh, they're really smooth. They're beautiful. They come in different gauges uh, and different um, scale lengths. This is a short scale set, I think specifically for a Mustang. Um, and they're 
they're awesome and they break in really nicely too. They're expensive, like I say, but if you like the sound of this, I don't know. I mean, I guess these sound maybe a little bit more like the Fender 9050s, maybe a little more old school, especially down low on the low strings. Um, they don't do, I mean, if you want to go full old school, it's Labella for sure, I think, but this is another really nice option. So there we go. Huh? There's a lot of variety in this stuff. You guys, a lot of variety. How we doing? We hanging in there? Good. Um, let me now play for you, uh, some of my favorite flats of all time on another short scale bass. These are from Tomastic Infeld. So I'm going to set this guy down. I'm going to turn over here and I have a 66, I believe, or maybe 67. It doesn't matter. Who who cares, right? Who cares? Uh, it's on a spreadsheet somewhere, but um, I have this 60s Guild Starfire. And oh my gosh, this bass is one of my favorite basses of all time. Um, and I have a set of strings on it that I think mates absolutely perfectly. I, if I ever have to change these strings, I will be so sad. Here's a Guild Starfire. Listen to that. Ugh. Into the decay. That's, I'm not muting that, you guys. Little left hand muting when I walked down there, but. Some sustain down low, but a really nice bump of initial attack, and then this decay die off, especially up high. Listen to that. <laughs> Wow. Now, if you buy a new set, so again, these are Tomastic Infeld Jazz Flats, they're called. And they're not, you know, supposed to be for a jazz bass. They're called Jazz Flats because, you know, they're for playing jazz, right? They're, they're, right? It's for that. It's for playing jazz, right? They're playing like... strong suit <laughs> don't even know if the space is in tune but right now not, not bad actually um this instrument to me is like one of the coolest sounding basses it's it's so signature sounding i love the sound of the pickup i love the sound of these strings this is a bass that i play with an artist called jeremy messersmith and uh i use spring reverb um, a lot with him and this bass with a bit of spring reverb and a pick with these old, old Tomastics. These are probably, I bought this bass and put these strings on when my daughter was a baby. So I've probably had these strings on for 10 years. Um, and I never want to change them if I can help it. Right. Uh, but check this out. Check it out. So with a bit of spring reverb, right? Just a bit of reverb, right? So I've got volume and tone all the way up. Here's that Carol K thing again. 
this is a sound that I want to play with forever. What I'm doing is I'm flat picking with a pick. I'm, I'm not holding it at any angle. There's no scrape, you know, as much as you can scrape on a flat, right? I am literally holding it straight against the string and I'm palm muting with a little bit of spring reverb. Um, just think it's so it's so signature and that's what i look for in an instrument and a string and a gear combo is like wow what a sound that is um and these are very low tension i think that i think that when pino started to play with john mayer he was using ti again tomastic infeld flats on his p bass but i will say Whenever I've tried to do it, they feel they're super light gauge. They're a very light gauge string. They're very low tension, pretty spongy, right? You can really bend them. You know, they're very like, they're very easy to maneuver and flexible, which makes them feel really good as long as they're set up in a way where it's, you know, the action isn't too low. So you put them on a base and the neck is like, wow, that's not a lot of tension and sort of straightens out. Um, but as long as you have them on a base that is set up correctly, gosh, they're really good. They might take a little getting used to. I don't like them on long scales. I've tried too. I put them on my jazz base. I've put them on a P base. I've even tried Labella's version, the low tension flats. Again, I mentioned I have that E string on my 65 P base, but the set of those on a long scale base, I don't like it. I don't like the tension, but I really do like it on a short scale. So I would definitely recommend for like an old school thing, TIs, which again are really bright out of the package, but you hear after some work, some dedication, how they break in. Um, or if you want like a low tension, short scale, good flat, I would also think the, uh, so these TIs and then also the Labella low tensions. And then you heard the Mustang with the Dunlops, which were a little more modern sounding. So I don't know. What do you think? What do you think? Um, something I should mention also is that there is this great trick uh, that I think Sean Hurley talked about ages ago. You know, there was Jocko who would talk about, you know, putting eating chicken before a gig and like, you know, the grease on his fingers would make his string sound a certain way. Well, Hurley had to change strings on a P bass, I believe, and didn't like how new they sounded. And was like, I got it get rid of these. So instead of, you know, peanut butter or, you know, butter or grease or something, he used Vaseline and rubbed Vaseline on the strings, right? Then rubbed it off. And he said that sort of took away the sheen. So if you, if you have a set of flats and you don't want to put in the time, you don't want to put in the decade, you know, that it takes for strings to start sounding like this. You can, of course, just rub them down with 
<laughs> mud, Vaseline, chicken grease, peanut butter. I don't know. Your, your accoutrement of choice, your condiment of choice, ketchup, mustard. I don't, I don't recommend doing any of that. I, I think what you should just do is play them. Like take, take a base with flats and make it your house base. Do you know what I mean? Like if you have, if you have two bases, make one, the base that you put flats on, and then you just play it around the house when you're watching Netflix or when you're cooking dinner, you know, like just play it all the time and don't worry about washing your hands necessarily. You don't have to worry with flats. It's so nice. You don't have to worry about killing your strings because a lot of times that's kind of the goal. So I don't know. I, I, I've never been diagnosed with OCD, but I have some, you know, and I know people used to throw that term around very loosely and myself included. So I apologize for that, but I definitely have OCD esque tendencies. It's cool to say that in cancel culture era. Is it okay to say that? I don't know, but I do where like when I change strings on a base, a great example is I have this beautiful, um, specter bass that I changed the strings on and it just sounded huge and big and round wounds, right? Stringy and slapping. And then I was like, Ooh, okay. Now don't play it because I don't want the sound to change. God, that's crazy. Right? I'm like, Oh, okay. I, I change the strings on this bass and then I just put it away. And I was like, okay, well there, that one, that one sounds good. And the image of it, like the, the picture of it in my mind sounded good. And I don't want to get my finger funk all over it and ruin the beautiful sound that these strings and bass have right now. Do any of you have that? Am I alone? Am I insane and alone? Also smacks of incredible privilege just to think like, Oh, that's something that I even care about or think about that occupies any brain space with all the terrible things that are happening in the world. Sometimes I really go down this spiral, you guys, of like, you know, oh, I changed the strings on my bass and now I'm going to set it aside and not play it. And I'm thinking about it. Is that crazy? And then I'm like, oh, my God, there are people without shelter. You know, my God, there are people without shelter. But that's not why you come here to listen, guys. But I do. I have those thoughts, you guys, you know, that like we're so, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're at this point in this pod and you're like, yeah, yeah. And maybe you've taken notes or you've at least taken mental notes. Oh, I'm going to try these set of flats or whatever. Like, can we just take a moment? Um, I don't know. Just take a moment and realize how privileged and grateful we are. Um for safety and for the ability to even have music and gear and stuff take up any mental space at all. I sometimes feel guilty about it. Actually, I feel guilt around it instead of um, gratitude. And I always try to change that. So I don't know if you're like me at all. And I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, sometimes it'll do, we'll do that to you on the SBL podcast. We'll flip it in, you know, we'll flip it into that, you know, we're going dark mode, going thoughtful mode, but I would encourage you. I need to encourage myself, um, to absolutely be thoughtful about the suffering in the world. Um, but also be grateful, uh, for the time that we have and the safety that we have. Uh, it's hard to, I will say for me, it's very hard to hold those two things in balance. I sometimes will push one away and in favor of obsessing about the other, I'll push away the problems of the world and obsess about gear. And I mean, look at, you know, this crap in my, right? I got so much stuff, but then 
I will do the opposite where I'll be like, Oh my God, I need to sell all the stuff. And then I'm, and then I'm just on the news and I'm, I'm looking at what I can do. How can I help? What can I do? How can I think about this? And it, you know, it ends up spiraling me down. Uh, the more time I spend on news, man, the more I just have a real hard time. So I think it's okay to hold both to be sad, to be shocked, to be upset to be concerned, to be angry about what's happening in the world, in your neighborhood, in your state, in your country, in the country across from you, in a country very, very far away. While also, I think it's, I think it's possible, maybe even necessary to hold those thoughts, concerns, and fears while you also hold gratitude. I think it's important because if you're not grateful, I mean, you know, it turns to guilt and that feels terrible, right? And I don't know what the answer is. Is the answer just getting off the grid, selling all your things and moving into a camper in the woods? I don't think that's the answer. I don't want to live that way. I want to live in a society, you know, but I am constantly reminded uh, how privileged I feel you know, and I try not to have that make me feel guilty. I try to turn it into gratitude. I am very grateful. I'm very grateful for you listening to this podcast. And if you've turned it off, (laughs) hopefully you'll be back. I am very grateful though. I'm very grateful for this community. I think the base community is one of the most supportive positive and best communities on planet earth. You guys, you give me so much life. And I'm very grateful for it because I can be a sad boy. And when I get to hang out with you guys, when I sit in this space and record these episodes for you, I feel uh, incredibly grateful. I don't feel like I'm just talking to myself, which I am. Uh, Ginger's down here, my dog. But currently I am just talking to myself. But I know that it's going to be received by a community of incredible people, creative, thoughtful, lovely, caring, empathetic, supportive people. That is the base community. And I just need to tell you again how grateful I am for you. So thank you. <laughs> oh boy. Down the rabbit hole we went. Hey, you want to check out another string type? I told you that I was going to show you. I mentioned that I was going to show you um, coded strings as well as nylon tapes. But sadly, I don't have any coded strings that would be like elixir diadario makes them essentially it's a round wound string that's wrapped in a super super fine layer of like neoprene Uh, again talking out of my ass i've always just sort of thought of them as like condom strings i'm sorry i don't care i have that's how i've thought of them it's like you take the string in its natural form and you wrap it in something. <laughs> that's that's like a coated string has this wrapping. It's like it's not rubber, uh, but it is like a plastic product of some kind. It's very thin. And then the strings, the round wound strings don't get filled up with your finger, you know, like gunk and cells and stuff and die. That's why round wound strings die. By the way, did you know that? That's how round wound strings die. They get filled up with crap. Um, and then they can't resonate as freely, right? But coded strings have this coating that sort of protects them, but I don't love them. 
I've got to say, I've played a bunch of coded strings over the years and thought, oh, this maybe this will be the solve for my weird OCD tendencies. Not condition, but tendencies. Proclivities. And uh, whenever I've used them, I've pulled them off almost immediately. There's something about them that I'm just like, oh, this doesn't feel this doesn't feel good. <laughs> right. For better or for worse. But I do have some nylon coded strings. And these are actually I, I guess you could say that they are a coded string because they are coded with a nylon tape instead of a metal tape. Now. I believe it is a, well, it has to be a steel core for a magnetic pickup to pick it up. But check this out. I've got this cool old 80s uh, Yamaha BB3000 that I'm going to plug in for you guys right now. Oh, I'm going to take take off the spring reverb, you guys. Take off the spring reverb. And what I think is so interesting about tapes, check it out. Let's see. they're so cool um tape tape on strings or nylon tapes the, this is a set of labella white nylons there's black ones and there's ones that are like copper colored and gold colored i haven't tried very many but they're very cool sounding and i think that um i expected them to be even deader than flats and they are not they are not. They're almost sort of like an acoustic guitar string or something. They they have a really open sound in the bottom. Listen to that. Da da. Instead of like tum tum, they don't go tum. They don't funk or thud at all. And these have been on this bass for a while too. They don't really sound like a round wound though either. huge fundamental beautiful sound and of course you can get them to kind of thunk if you palm mute like i was just doing there here they are with a pick yeah let's do that These are really cool sounding strings. The problem, there is one drawback with these strings. If you put them on a passive bass that maybe isn't shielded properly, like, you know, you ever have a bass where when you take your hands off of it, it goes zzz until you put your hands on some metal part of it, right? A pickup or, you know, the strings and it goes zzz, and then you're the ground and you're grounding it to the ground. I don't know how any of that works, but have you ever had a bass like that where like zzz, and you touch it and it stops buzzing? Well, because these strings are nylon coated, you're never ever touching metal. You're touching the nylon coating. And so if you have a bass that does that, you can't get rid of it by touching the strings. So I actually have nylon tapes on um, a hollow body over here that maybe I'll show you if there's a little time at the end. Uh, but I find that like, Ooh, I actually have to like 
touch my thumb to the pickup if I'm in a room that has a lot of interference or something because it's going and then you touch the strings. It's like still buzzing. Oh, so I think that on an active bass, they're actually really cool. And how about that? Like subverting some expectations. This bass to me is typically like uh, maybe supposed to be brighter. Um, and you know, it's, this is an active electronic bass, right? But it doesn't sound very modern. This bass actually sounds really freaking good to me. Um, but it's really interesting, right? Like putting flats or tapes on a modern bass can be very, very cool because you get those modern features of like sustain and maybe an onboard EQ, but with this kind of different voice of the flats or tapes. And I think the first person that I really got excited about doing this was Boom Bishop, um, who plays like, I believe with uh, Yeba, uh, Lala Hathaway, I feel like I saw him play on a tiny desk and I can't remember. He plays with Robert Glasper. He's a monster bass player. And I believe he plays a swan bass, which I think is an Argentinian company. I may be getting that wrong, but he plays a swan six string bass with active electronics. And then I saw him play tapes and Bubby Lewis is another bass player that comes to mind that I believe plays MTD and then plays labella tapes. And they just have. They have a cool thing. Again, not as thuddy as flats, but very, very like hunkered down in the top end. They have a really pleasant top end. And really nice sustain, at least on this bass. Beautiful. guys, I think we did it. <laughs> we did it. Hey, flat wounds, maybe some uh, nylon coated strings. Hopefully you have an idea. We played P basses. We played a jazz, we played a Mustang. We played uh, a Starfire. We played this more modern active Yamaha, right? What did you like? What was your favorite thing? Is there something that stood out to you? Is there like something now that you really want to go buy to check out again? You guys, we don't play the bass. We play the string. It blew my mind, man. John Mayer. John Mayer was right. Crazy. Um, and again, it is the cheapest 
easiest thing that you can do to change the sound, fundamentally change the sound of your instrument, which will change the way you play the instrument. That's what all, that's what gear does to me. You know, people are like, oh, it's all in the hands. Well, yes, but also I am very, very in tune with the way a piece of gear makes me play. If I hear a bass a certain way, I want to play a certain style of music on it, or I want to play a certain technique. So yes, your hands, you need to have the facility and you need to have the knowledge and the the engine and the technique, but gear gives you the ideas. At least it does for me. Whenever I plug in a bass that is different than what I normally play, I'm like, whoa, this is interesting. And I have different ideas. And then, you know, I'm trying out different techniques and thinking, oh, this is really cool. I wonder if this might be good for, right. And then it puts me down that rabbit hole of like, maybe I should use this for this particular gig or session. Um, And that's endlessly fascinating to me. So I guess that's why I'm a gear guy. (laughs) <laughs> it's because I, I, I find it fascinating. I find it fascinating, the changes that it provokes in me, right? When I get on a different thing, I'm like, wow, I want to, I completely want to do this a different way. And I think it's awesome. So you guys, thank you. That's all for today. I hope you're having a wonderful time wherever you are. I'm going to see you in the next one. Take care, everybody.